0: God is a God of restoration and he's a God of reconciliation, putting people back together that were once at variance, once at odds, once opposed to one another. Amen. God can do that today. Amen. Let's go to him one more time in prayer, just to ask him to touch our hearts and minds to receive his word today. Lord, we're thankful for the power of the living word of God that you've given us. That when we hear it and we accept it by faith, when we gladly receive it, that there is power in it to change our lives, to transform our hearts and our minds. There's a washing of the water by the word, cleanses us, it purifies us, it gets rid of all the mindsets that we've picked up in the last week or last months or last years. It gives us a new perspective, the right perspective. So Lord, in the next little while we pray as we open your word and as we go through the principles of Your Word, that You will speak to us, that You will minister to each and every one of us, God. And Lord, just as You called Lazarus from the tomb, I know that You're calling us from the dead today. You're calling us to life. You're calling us to joy. You're calling us to peace, Lord. Though it may seem hopeless, and it may seem the opportunity has passed, there is a miracle in Your presence today. For those who will gladly receive your word, Jesus, we give you praise and we give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated today in the presence of the Lord. I'm going to begin by telling of a a story and I'm going to try to cut it down a little bit and uh, it involves a conflict when Japan invaded and conquered and occupied Korea. And in speaking of history, we're not speaking of history to speak disparagingly of people or things that have happened in the past because we've all had a past we want to forget, right? (laughs) And so today we're not speaking of the Japanese or the Koreans or anybody to disparage them, but we simply use history as an example of what we can learn from. We don't want to repeat mistakes of history. And there was this time where Japan invaded Korea and they were horrible towards the Koreans. They were very brutal and things they did we won't go into today because uh, it would literally make you sick to your stomach. But they were especially cruel and, and mean to the Christians in Korea. And there was one particular pastor who... Was, pre- was constantly going and talking to the captain of the Japanese army in his area to please let us go and worship in our church. If you just let us go there and worship, we would be very appreciative. And he would go to him on and on and on. He kept going back and forth. And it reminds me of the, the woman in the Bible who kept going to the unjust judge and kept asking over and over. And finally, the Japanese captain relented to this lady or to this pastor I'm sorry relented to this pastor and they went into the church house and they began to worship God and began to sing and people could hear them praising God and the Japanese uh, police chief began to give orders outside and they began to barricade the doors no one inside realized that they were soaking the church with kerosene. They proceeded to light the flames on the outside of the church and the people inside began to realize as smoke came in that it was burning. People began to go for the windows, but they found out as soon as they went to the windows, the military outside would just let bullets fly through the windows and hit whoever stands in the window. They were trapped. Knowing this, the pastor, calm in the confidence of God's presence, began to sing, excuse me, a little loud. He began to sing, Alas, and did my Savior bleed? And did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? And just before the last of the roof began to collapse, he said, But drops of grief can never repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. And the chorus rang out at the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light. And the burdens of my heart rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. Only the grace of God can produce such an event. you read the fox's book of martyrs you find where people would praise god through the flames being burned at the stake dragged through the streets behind horses they sung praises to god as years passed there was bitterness obviously in the hearts of those in korea towards the japanese for this suffering They had a hatred that choked their joy. And it wasn't until 1972 that any hope came. A group of Japanese pastors traveling through Korea came upon the memorial where the church once stood. And when they read the details of this tragedy, they felt shame. Shame that their country had sinned. Even though none of them were responsible, they felt responsible. A national sense of guilt overwhelmed them. They went back and they began to raise a love offering and they raised $25,000 and the money was transferred through the proper channels and they constructed a beautiful church building at the place of this site. They wanted to have a dedication service and they, they came and joined with special guests from all over Japan. And although their generosity was acknowledged, their attempts to make peace were appreciated, yet the memories remained. Have you ever had a hard time forgiving somebody? You want to accept their apology, but you can't get rid of the memories. The wounds are still open. And the Koreans had festered this bitterness for decades this ruthless enemy of the Japanese had stolen their dignity and had destroyed that church. But something remarkable happened as they began to to sing a familiar song, Nearer My God to Thee. As the memories of the past mixed with the truth of the song, the resistance began to melt. The inspiration that gave hope to a doomed collection of churchgoers In the past generation gave hope once more. And the song leader closed the service with the hymn at the cross. And the normally stoic Japanese could not contain themselves. And their tears began to fill their eyes. And during the song, something began to just gush out of them. They turned to their Korean brothers in the Lord and they begged them to forgive. The guarded, calloused hearts of the Koreans were not quick to surrender. But the love of the Japanese believers tore at their emotions. And as they got to the part of the song, it says, At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart rolled away. Something transpired and the one Korean brother finally turned toward a Japanese brother. And then another, and then floodgates of emotion began to let go as the burdens of their heart rolled away. The Koreans met their new Japanese friends in the middle, and they clung to each other, and they wept. Japanese tears of repentance and Korean tears of forgiveness. They intermingled to bathe this sight of an old nightmare and make it a site of reconciliation, of healing, and of hope. At the cross, reconciliation happens. Our tears of repentance, his tears of sorrow and pain, they intermingle in the dirt at the foot of the cross. And we're reconciled. Colossians 1.19 says, For it pleased the Father that in Him, that is the body of Jesus Christ, should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works. Just like the Japanese and the Koreans. Enemies. Yet now hath He reconciled in the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable In his sight. 2 Corinthians 5. Back to our text again. It says that. Verse 18. He hath reconciled us to himself. By Jesus Christ. That is the body. Of Jesus Christ. The flesh of Christ. The blood of Christ. And he hath given to us. The ministry of reconciliation. This is important for us to understand today that God was in Christ. Not just part of God. All of God. The fullness of God. Everything that God Almighty is was in Christ. The Creator of the universe was in Christ. That's why Colossians 2 and 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men and the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. There's a lot of things in our day that are floating around, ideas and philosophies. But if they're taking us away from Christ, we need to ignore them. For in Him, verse 9, in Christ dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The Godhead is everything God is. He was in the body of Christ Jesus. And ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. We are complete in Jesus Christ. We don't need another We don't need more than Jesus. But we're not complete without Him. We don't have to memorize 500 names for different gods. We just have to say Jesus. And we get everything that God is. We are ambassadors in Christ. Amen. Representing that He was in Christ. Let's just discuss for a moment for sake of understanding who God is, what God is, because that may be a question today. John 4.24 explains that God is a spirit. This is talking about the God of the Bible. The God who's existed from the beginning, who had no beginning. He is a spirit. And that is why He's here, yet we don't see Him. Because He's a spirit. The only time people see God is when He manifests Himself in different ways. In the Old Testament, there were many different ways He showed Himself. Through a whirlwind, through a cloud, through a pillar of fire. Many different ways God showed Himself. But it was always the same God. Making Himself known to man. Because in His physical form. God is a spirit and John one eighteen goes further and it tells us that He is invisible. No man hath seen God at any time. Nobody's seen God. Nobody's seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, that is the man Christ Jesus, which is in the bosom of the Father, hath declared Him or hath revealed Him to us. The man Christ Jesus revealed the God of heaven to us. He showed Him to us. So God is invisible. He is a spirit. He dwells in all time and space. He created everything. And He, he stood there in space knowing how to reconcile us to Himself. He can't sin one of us because we all have sinned. We can't die on the cross as a perfect sacrifice. We all sinned. We all made mistakes. If anybody in here says they don't have any sin, 1 John, I don't even have to say it. 1 John says it. You're a liar. There's your first thing to repent for. I don't have any sin. Yeah, you're a liar. Repent. We all have sin. Okay? None of us could go to the cross and die and be a perfect sacrifice because we all have sin. We all make mistakes. We all fall short of the glory of God. It's been that way since Adam and Eve. So how is God going to reconcile the world to himself by providing a perfect, spotless sacrifice when he has no blood to shed? A spirit doesn't have blood. And without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. God ordained that law. So something we celebrate here in a couple months, Matthew 1, 20 gives clarification to. There was a virgin named Mary. And the Lord had to tell Joseph, Fear not to take Mary as thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. Okay, the only true God. There's only one God, right? And that Spirit moved on Mary's womb and conceived the egg. I think we're all adults and know how it normally happens. (laughs) And that's not how it normally happens. Right? Normally it's the seed of a man and, and that's how sin is passed down. And so for there to be a sinless man, he had to be born of the Spirit. Literally born of the Spirit. And so... The Spirit of God moves in Mary's womb and she begins to be pregnant and the Lord has to let Joseph know, Mary's not lying to you. Okay, because this has never happened before. You can imagine Joseph is like, yeah, right. I'm not pregnant because I was with someone, Joseph. This is the Holy Ghost that did this. Uh-huh. Sure. Sure. So the Spirit of God causes her to be with child, causes her to conceive a child. So this child is different than any child that's ever been born because he doesn't have the sinful nature that was brought down from Adam and Eve. Because he wasn't born of a man. He was conceived of the eternal spirit of the one true God. But He is a man because He's in Mary's womb and He's growing just like any other baby. So that Jesus is both man and full of God. He wasn't just a little bit of man. He was all of man. And He wasn't just a little bit of God. He was all God. So it's a very unique creation by God. That God was in Christ. In the baby Christ. Reconciling the world to himself. And if you think the Father and the Holy Spirit are different, this creates a problem. Matthew 1.20 says, The Holy Ghost made Mary have the baby. Doesn't that make him the father? Okay, so the Holy Ghost and the Father are different titles of the same God. We already said God is a spirit. He's a ghost, so to speak. And he's holy. So a Holy Ghost is just the same spirit. If God's omnipresent, why would he need another spirit? It's all the same spirit. And so that spirit was in Christ to reconcile the world to himself. In Revelation 1 8, Jesus makes a claim. He says, I am Alpha and Omega, beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, the Almighty. So he wasn't speaking out of his humanity, he was speaking out of the deity that was in him. There's times where Jesus got hungry. God doesn't get hungry, but the man Jesus got hungry. The God that was in Jesus provided a miracle that fed 5,000. So there was a God inside of a body reconciling the world to Himself. The Lord's not willing that any would perish. Amen. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 6 tells us. 1 Timothy 2, 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our Savior, who will have all men to be saved. His will is that all of us would be saved. Every person in the entire world would be saved. That's His desire. And to come unto the knowledge of the truth. It doesn't say the knowledge of one of many truths. It says the truth. You don't have to be an English major to understand. That means one truth, right? There is the truth. And it's God's truth. For there is one God. Okay, again, everything God is, He is one. There is one God and one mediator between God and man. The man, Christ Jesus. So there's God and then the man Christ Jesus. And they together were the mediator between God and man. You had the flesh of Christ and the deity of Christ together. Working together. Working together. It's important to know this because God didn't send someone else. He created a body so He Himself could come. He himself could come. And the Son of God, just for a little bit further clarification, the Son of God is the flesh of Christ. Right? Is that, I hope that makes a little bit of sense. If it doesn't, that's okay. The more you hear it, the more it makes sense. But the flesh is the Son. The Son was born in Bethlehem. The Son did not pre exist Bethlehem. The son was born at Bethlehem. And he is the one on the throne in heaven to represent the invisible God to us. First Timothy 3.16, without controversy. Great is the mystery of godliness. Hey, if it's if it's not sinking in all the way, don't worry. It takes a while. It's a mystery that takes revelation. Studying the Bible. Seeking God. But great is this mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. That means he was revealed in the flesh. Right again, the invisible God became visible in Colossians 1, it tells us that Jesus made the invisible God visible. He was justified in the Spirit, seen of angels, preached unto Gentiles, believed on in the world, and finally, He was received up into glory after his resurrection. God was manifest in the flesh. The one true God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. So Jesus was, the man Jesus, was like us as far as he had flesh, but he never sinned. That's the difference. (laughs) We've all sinned but it wasn't divine flesh it was just flesh and the reason I'm driving this point so hard today is because he has passed the baton in a relay you pass the baton and you stop running and the next person runs right Jesus has not been on earth for 2000 plus years Jesus the man, Jesus. So who declares Jesus now? Who declares the Almighty God now? Who shows the world who He is now? There's something that the church is called. It's called the body of Christ. Right? So just as Jesus in His flesh declared the glory of the eternal Spirit of God, we are are to declare His glory. We are to receive His Spirit and declare His glory. Just as Jesus was filled with the Spirit, we can be filled with the Spirit. That's incredible! The Spirit of God comes in us! That's what happened in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, God's Spirit came inside of men and women boys and girls God became part of us and it doesn't always make sense to people again, sometimes I I repent of arguing with people I repent of making it you have to, you have to, you have to you get to right? right? Whatever your favorite food is. Nobody has to cram it down your throat. We have to resist it. Eating it more than we should. We don't need coaxing. We don't need someone... Are you going to eat that chocolate? You better eat that cheesecake right now. You better eat that steak. Nobody's telling me what to do. I'm... It's in front of me. It's going down the hatch. I'm putting it in there. So God's Spirit living inside of us is not a have to. The Bible does say we must be born again. So if you want to look at it that way, it is. But why look at it that way? Why not see it's the greatest opportunity in the entire world to be reconciled to God? To receive the Spirit of God, to receive life and joy and peace from God. It may not make a lot of sense in the beginning, but God that created you comes to be inside of you. That's Him filling you with the Spirit. And I don't know how other to explain to people sometimes I'm depressed, I'm stressed, I'm anxious, all this stuff that we all face. The answer is Jesus, and they don't that seems too simple, I know. Well, that's just too simple. But He is the answer. It's His Spirit that lifts us out of those things and lifts us above the trials of life. It's His Spirit that adopts us into His body, the Bible says. We become His children. And it's His Spirit that when He comes and calls the church out of this world, that Spirit's going to resurrect us like it resurrected Christ. Christ. If we don't have the Spirit, we can't be resurrected. I want to be resurrected. (laughs) I don't even like it here very much now. And it's probably not going to get better. I want to be out of here. Heaven is the greatest place we could ever ask for. And we get to go there through the power of the Spirit. A couple more things to just mention today is once we have received His Spirit, okay? once we have been reconciled to God, there falls upon us the ministry of reconciliation. We are no longer our own, but we are living for Jesus Christ. And John 3.17 tells us a principle that we need to understand in the ministry of reconciliation. It says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, and if we have the same ministry as Jesus, we can insert ourselves there. For God sent not His church into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through the church might be saved. It's easy to point a finger. It's easy to say all this stuff bad's going on, all this stuff horrible. What are we doing about it? Talk is cheap. Yes, we must declare sin. Jesus did. He told people, repent. He told people, go and sin no more. But He gave them a solution. He did it in a loving way. He didn't do any in a condemning way. We don't just need to label people in their sin. We need to help them out of it. We need to stand up for certain issues in our day. And just to mention a couple, for sake of time, we could mention more. But we need to mention abortion is a sin. But well, we can't just say abortion's a sin and do nothing else. We need to help people who have had an abortion be forgiven and be healed. Because God can bring healing to their lives. God can take away that guilt and that shame and that suffering from that decision. Because a lot of people have an abortion thinking it's the only way out. So, yes, abortion is a sin. Yes, we need to repent of it and not do it once we are in Christ. But we also need to understand there's forgiveness, there's healing, there's peace, and there's joy. Over 57 million abortions have been committed since they have been made legal. 57 million in America alone since Roe versus Wade. It's a problem. But we don't need to just talk about it. We need to be out there ministering to those who have had it. And ministering to those who are thinking about it. Letting them know there is hope. There's other options that you'll feel much better about down the road. We need to declare very plainly that any sexual activity outside of the sanctity of a biblically defined marriage between a man and a woman is sinful in the eyes of God. God instituted marriage. God defined marriage as a man and a woman. God did that, not me. It's not my prerogative. I didn't create the universe. If you have a problem with it, don't talk to me. I didn't do it. God made the rules. And if we want to know what pleases God, we got to know we don't need to be sleeping with people that we're not married to and we only need to be married to the opposite sex because that's God's design but we can't stop there and just say that but we have to also admit we've all been guilty whether physically or mentally because God says if you even lust after a person you commit adultery in your heart anybody in here never had a lustful thought? First John says, you're a liar. <laughs> you even thought you didn't. We've all been there. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short in, this, in the area of immorality, in sexual immorality, whether we carried it out in the physical or we thought about it. We've all done it. But we don't get to the point of excusing it. We still have to say, God, I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need the power of the Holy Ghost to not do this. So we don't just declare the sin. We got to have the message of hope that comes with it. You don't just knock someone down and then kick them on the way by. Yeah, you're a sinner. See ya. Well, that's a good Christian. Christian. Like the priest that was passing the, this, the person laying in the ditch on the other side of the road. The good Samaritan had to come and help him because three men of God passed by on the other side. So we need to understand that declaring sin is important, but what's the reason it's important? The reason is so we can be reconciled. The reason is so we can get right. Right? We're not just pointing it out to feel self-righteous. We have to check our spirit and make sure we're not doing that. Because something as beautiful as intimacy between two lovers is meant to be sacred and committed. So it's not just God saying, you can't have this. He's saying, this is how the best way you can experience it. And if you don't do it this way, you're going to have heartache and hurt. So do it my way. And design and do it the way I designed it to be enjoyed. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 says, Wherefore we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight. And the same which so doth easily beset us. Let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Somebody. Tell your neighbor you're glad he's not talking about that other stuff anymore. You can tell him. I'm glad he's done talking about that. But we're supposed to be looking unto Jesus, again, the author and the finisher of our faith. In his deity, he created us and he made us and he he knows how to give us faith in His deity and in His flesh, He showed us how to express that faith. Who for the joy that was set before Him, endured the cross. He despised the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider Him that endured such contradiction of sinners or opposition of sinners against Himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. As we are being ambassadors for christ as we are exercising the ministry of reconciliation in this day it's not always going to be easy but we need to learn how to do it acknowledging the joy that's before us we're going to be persecuted for righteousness sake just like jesus people are not going to understand our motives they're not going to understand what we're doing they didn't understand why he was dying on the cross If they did, they wouldn't be insulting Him because He was dying for the very ones who insulted Him. They didn't understand Him. And they're not going to understand us as we present His message. But we need to understand there's joy. Even when we're persecuted. Even when we're misunderstood. We can have joy. We can know that joy is coming. Joy is coming. Don't change the word of reconciliation to fit the culture. The word of reconciliation is forever settled in heaven. It was ordained of God, created by God, and it's His word, not ours. We can't change it, no matter how much it hurts. In America, we don't face a lot of physical persecution we just face a lot of people thinking about it. We're afraid people are going to think bad about us or something. I don't know. Things hang us up. But again, if you read the, the Fox Book of Martyrs, I'm not trying to be uh, negative this morning. Just It's just the reality. There's people that are losing their lives for the gospel all over the world, even today. And we need to get to the point where we can, with joy, declare our allegiance to Christ, regardless of what we're facing. There's going to be times of disappointment and heartache, but it's not meant to be forever. I'm just suffering for Jesus. You have been for 30 years. The cross didn't last 30 years, it was a few hours. Because we're not designed to deal with grief and disappointment and and all that for long periods of time. We can't. Get some joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We need to have some joy. Finally, Matthew 14, 14. says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Thank you for letting me speak for a few more minutes than normal today. I'm almost done. He was moved with compassion. If we are going to be true ambassadors, if we are going to have the ministry of reconciliation the way God wants us to, we are going to be motivated by compassion. Motives are important. We can't be motivated by guilt and grief and, and, and shame. We've got to be motivated by love. All of us have experienced relationships, either personally or we've seen them, where people are motivated by negative things, right? They do it because they think they're going to get abused. It's not a good relationship. We need to do things out of love, understanding God loves us and we should love others. To be moved with compassion, when we minister, it's all about compassion. Jesus had compassion on them. And you notice he was moved. He wasn't pewed by compassion some people are pewed all the time they're very faithful to church but they don't move beyond that let's challenge you a little bit today okay if the shoe doesn't fit just let it pass it to someone else but you might be Cinderella we all struggle with these things from time to time But apathy disappears with love. The Laodicean church, the lukewarm church, they lost their love. And because they lost their first love in God, they they lost their love for the lost. They were content to just come and, and hang out like a social club. We got it together. We're saved. Those people can figure it out. They can all go, you know, wearing a handbasket. (laughs) Some people's attitude is that. That's not of God, that's anti Christ. We've got to be loving those who are lost. Our motivation must be compassion. And we get compassion through prayer, through His love being shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. I'll readily admit, I'm selfish by nature. Without His love, I'm selfish. I'm selfish. I'll just take care of me. I'll just do what makes me look good or do what I feel good about. But it's His love that constrains me to get beyond my comfort zone and do His will. Jude said that some had compassion. Making what? Making a difference. They had compassion, making a difference. If we're not making a difference, we don't have compassion. Amen. And finally, just one thing to remember, a way that you can remember compassion is, there's the Great Commission. The Great Commission is laid out in Matthew 28. Go teach all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Teach them to observe all things who... Whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. Amen. That's a great commission, right? I'm reading it fast so you don't fall asleep. That's a great commission. And when you take the first three letters of commission, anybody that's still awake, what are the first three letters of commission? C-O-M. What do you have when you put that on the front of passion? Compassion. Alright, so when you have a passion for the commission, you will get compassion. And when you have a passion for the things of God, you will want to do the things of God. You will be eaten up with the zeal of the Lord. And religion won't be just a boring experience. It'll be things where you go and see miracles all the time. Because God will begin to move through you. Amen. Through you. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to Himself. Amen. If you want, can stand today. I apologize, it's kind of warm in here. I'm sweating like crazy. I know you guys are, that's probably not helping stay awake because it's hot. Acts 2.38 gives us a word of reconciliation. It's one of the most succinct versions of the word the Logos, the plan of reconciliation there is in Scripture for the New Testament church. They asked him, how can we be saved? How can we make up for the sin we've committed? Peter said to them, repent. Hey, That means change your mind and do what God says. That means I'm going to forsake my own understanding and do what God says. I'm going to read the Bible and even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to obey it. How many of us, when we were kids, understood every commandment our parents gave us? And now as a parent, how much do you get frustrated when your kids don't do it because they don't understand it? They don't want to understand it. Don't run out in the road. Why? Do I have to you're going to explain the weight of a vehicle, the velocity and the mass of the vehicle colliding with your body... We'll kill you. But you're two. You don't even know what that means. So all I can say is, you won't be with mommy and daddy for a really long time, and we'll miss you. And hopefully that's enough. And it's the same when we we first read the Bible, we don't understand everything. We're kind of like babies that way. We don't understand it all. But I just want to get to the point where, even if I don't know why God said to do it, I'm going to do it. be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins why do I have to get in water and get baptized because he said so he created the universe and there's a lot more to it than that but because when I have time he said so you ever heard heard the words come out of your mouth why do I have to do that because I said so explain it to me I don't have time just do it and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost all you got to do is begin to walk toward him give him your whole life and he's going to give you his spirit there's no greater thing in the world there's not enough money there's not the, the best job or the most possessions you can have that will replace getting the Holy Ghost But until you tasted it, that's just, well, maybe. But taste and see, the Bible says, that the Lord is good. Amen. If you will just repent, be baptized in Jesus' name, you'll receive the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you, to your children, to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words, which I won't do, don't worry, did He testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. This generation's going the wrong way and you need to be saved. If that was true 2,000 years ago, it's true now. Our generation is going the wrong direction. They need to repent and be saved. And this is the message we should be shouting from the rooftops because it's the word of reconciliation be reconciled to God, come be with your Creator. Come live life as you were supposed to live it. It's that simple. What am I here for? I'm here for a relationship with God. I'm here to have a relationship with Him. To receive His Spirit. And to walk in His Spirit. Amen. There's no greater joy. There's no greater joy than being filled with His Spirit. Amen. As we close today, we're just going to ask that you'll pray. If you've been reconciled, if you've received the experience of God, the Spirit of God, you can just say, God, help me to be a better minister for you. Help me to have my motives pure. Help me to be loving and kind and merciful. Help me to be moved by compassion. Not to hide in a corner somewhere, but get out and do something for you. And if you've never received the Holy Ghost, you've never spoken with other tongues as the Spirit gave you utterance, you can receive it today very quickly if you just raise your hands and begin to ask Him for it and begin to just tell Him you're sorry for your sins and you want to live for Him and you want all that He has for you. Amen. You can receive the Holy Ghost here today just like they did in the book of Acts. It's not just for them. It's for us today. We can receive it today. It's still the word of reconciliation. It's still the way that we are saved and brought to His side. He doesn't want us to be living in sin. He doesn't want us to be hurting and despairing. He doesn't want us to be depressed and stressed out and anxious about our life. He wants us to come to Him and find rest today. We're not here to...